Diversity Unbound. David Zobel is an associate professor in the Art, Design, and Interactive Media Department at the Community College of Baltimore County. He is also a graphic designer, illustrator, and fine artist. Zobel is a member of the neurodiversity community, and he embraces neurodiversity as a part of his identity and provides a fresh perspective to understanding neurodiverse people. We will learn about his journey to understanding neurodiversity, along with the advantages and disadvantages of being neurodiverse. Heard the term um, neurodiverse or neurodivergent um, was when I was diagnosed with ADHD, and that was probably uh, five years ago now. Um, and and it wasn't that really wasn't on my radar actually to be diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and it made a lot of sense once I knew really what ADHD was all about. And as I was doing research with it, I then discovered the terms uh, neurodiverse or neurodivergent. Um, and I think those terms are okay. Um, I'm not opposed to any of those terms. I like the idea of diverse just because I think we all are diverse in a way. We all have our own ways of thinking. We all have our own ways of processing information and doing things, whether that's um, whether you're on any sort of neurodiverse spectrum or whatever. I think I think we all process information a little bit differently, even introverts and extroverts and stuff like that. So um, I think we're all divergent and diverse in a way. So um, I'm okay with those terms. Um, I, I like those terms better than neurotypical. Um, or neuro, um, you know, uh, not typical. Um, I, I like those terms. Uh, I like divergent and diverse better because it's just talking about how it almost gives an okay to being different and being diverse instead of what, what is typical. You know, the, the measure then of typical means that I'm not typical um, or somebody else is not typical. And, and who do we measure that against? So I like the idea of diverse, neurodiverse and neurodivergent with those terms. So I find that um, I don't really have uh, many strategies that a K through 12 teacher gave me uh, because I did not know that I had um, ADHD until I was 30. Well, no, I guess a little bit later than that. It's been five years. So, you know, late 30s, 38, 39 um, is really when I really discovered it, maybe even 40. Um, and so I've been learning with it, masking it, um, dealing with it, uh, without many strategies for, for learning and learning for me was always a challenge. Um, because I would go into tests and quizzes and things thinking I knew the information. And then all of a sudden I would get the inform, you know, sit in front of it and uh, I, I couldn't recall it. I couldn't remember it. And that happened all through, um, high school. And I just thought I was just not good at tests. I wasn't smart enough. Um, no one gave me any sort of, um, measurement. We didn't know what it was called. Uh, my parents didn't, didn't, um, we didn't look into it at all. Um, uh, it wasn't that I wasn't smart or couldn't know the information, probably knowing myself now, if you would ask me that information, um, and, and ask me verbally, I bet you, I could have given you back those answers, but recalling it and writing it, uh, was challenging because not only do I have a form of ADHD, I also have a, uh, a form of dyslexia called dysgraphia, which is really hard for me to process information and then put it down in a written sense. So verbal was always a lot easier for me uh, to be able to talk and be able to um, 
you know, uh, speak it. Uh, and that's even today, you know, when I'm setting up emails or writing responses, you know, responses and written information almost gives me a little bit of a, a panic attack, uh, because I could respond to you verbally, no problem. But as soon as you tell me to, to write something down, um, that's an issue. So, um, what do I have now as far as strategies today f for me to help myself stay organized? Um, as an adult, uh, being a teacher, uh, knowing where things are and stuff like that, I have, I'm looking at them right now. I have a week. Um, um, I, yeah, I set up this little week thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and I have post-it notes that I put on it. And right now my post-it note is to record this today. Um, and then once I do it, I can remove that post-it note. And I have one set up that I need to do something for a lecture on Thursday. And I have that. And as soon as I do that, I can remove it. Um, and I found that I can't do lists because lists are too long for me. I'm going to get overwhelmed and then I do nothing. So if I have one to two tasks on there, that's a lot easier. I can cross them off and then add new tasks on there later. That's really worked for me. I've tried digital apps and stuff like that. But, it, you know, the, the, the thing is that when you start using like a digital app, at least for me, um, it seems like a great idea. But the idea is that I need to, one, remember where the, the app is on my phone, so I need to find it. And so not only that, then I need to open it. Then I need to set up certain things and stuff like that. And that whole process throws me off and makes me not want to do it at all. You know, that five-minute setup or, or whatever makes me, not, makes me not want to do it, right? Um, and I've also tried planners and stuff like that, but I lose the planner. So that doesn't work for me. Um, I have found really to stay organized that post-it notes, um, even saying things out loud e to myself, uh, again, I have a verbal, uh, response mechanism or a verbal thing that, that if I can say it out loud and repeat it, um, it puts a little bit more into memory than me just, uh, saying it. Right. So when I was in school and I didn't know that it was ADHD and stuff like this that I needed. But when I would do tests, as soon as I did this for my tests, I got, I got straight A's all through the rest of college. Um, I had to take my notes. I had to rewrite my notes. I had to color coordinate my notes and make them visually interesting. And then I would say them out loud and carry them around with me. As soon as I do, did that, I could remember things on tests. Um, and I got straight A's. So... Those are a couple things for me is reorganization. Um, uh, not only did I write it, I spoke it, um, and I touched it, right? So I needed all those feedbacks in order for me to remember anything. So those are some techniques um, and stuff that I use to get assignments done. I'm not a procrastinator. Procrastination actually makes me um, have anxiety. So not to say that it, I, I get things done always ahead of time, but I try to only because I know I'm so bad at it. Neurodiversity um, or being neurodivergent really gives me a unique perspective on a lot of things. So I'm a graphic designer. I also teach graphic design. And so what this allows me to do, um, I talk about it a lot of the time with, with other students and, and people. When I give feedback on things, they're like, how did you see that? How did you see that, that solution or that answer? And, and what I tell them is like, all right, so someone who is not neurodivergent or who is whatever sees things kind of in a, in a straight lane in front of them. Uh, but me being with ADHD, I have so much input that's coming at me all the time that I can see solutions in a, in a 180 point of view that, that maybe somebody else wouldn't because they're not picking up on those inputs. Um, 
<laughs> with that same unique perspective is also part of what makes it very hard because if I'm at a social situation or out at a restaurant, I'm picking up every conversation is coming in at 100%. There's no dialing any of it back. So I'm getting tons of inputs and sometimes it's very hard to maintain conversations and stuff like that because it's not that I don't want to have this conversation. It, it's like everything is, is, is at volume 100 and I can't turn or, or turn anything else off. It's also the same reason that I'm very creative and can see solutions and, and, and be able to go on these creative uh, tangents because I'm just pulling inspiration and ideas from things that I think people don't hear or don't see or don't experience. I'm having all those, which is a plus, <laughs> but also can be a minus depending on when it is. So that's what's giving me my unique uh, perspective on things is I have a very, um, you know, my auditory senses are always on, on alert. Um, you know, I, I will say something, I'm out and I say, well, did you hear this? And people are like, no, I don't even hear what you're talking about. And it's like, oh man, that's all that I can hear. Um, because it's just, the, the input is just so, so much um, that it could be overwhelming. Um, but it's also a, a power in it in itself uh, and it creates that unique perspective. So I think being neurodivergent um, is, is a major part of my identity and I didn't even know it until five years ago. Um, when I tell people that I have, um, that I've been diagnosed recently with ADHD and they're like, and they've known me for a long time, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, because I, I'm very energetic. I get very uh, focused on the things that I like. I could talk to you about hours about the things that I really enjoy and could care less when they don't interest me. So um, that's something that I'm working with just to be able to um, to be engaged always um, instead of being checked out uh, with some of that stuff. So I, I think it, it is a, a major part of, of my identity as being someone who is creative. I, I think ADHD has really formed how I'm creative and how I see things and, and what I do with that. And, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people talk about uh, on social media and stuff about how to fix the problem, how to, how to stay this, how to stay that. And for me, it's about, well, how can I embrace that? How can I embrace the fact that um, I get so into something or I have um, varied interests or whatever it is? How can, I, how can I harness it instead of kind of shying away from it? Um, I think it's too much about trying to be normal, trying to uh, take what you have that makes you unique and, oh, yeah, it's hard to focus. Yeah, okay, but how can we, how can we take that what's hard to focus and make it into something that's positive? I think that happens all the time in education is we want everyone to be so even keeled and we don't want anyone who is posing questions and doing this. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that actually adds some diversity into what we're talking about. And so I bring that to when I teach, um, I provide things in multiple different levels of interaction so that if someone is divergent in some way, whatever that is, they can focus on different parts of it. Um, and I will never turn down a question, turn down a tangent, um, because I want people to stay curious. Uh, and I think that's what, for me, I'm always like, well, why? Well, why does this happen? And I want to I explore that. And a lot of times um, being uh, as a student when I was younger was shut down. And I think that's so unfortunate. Um, and so I want to embrace that. I even ask those questions today as an adult. And, and people still shut me down with it. And then I just realized that those aren't my people. 
Um, and then I'm just going to kind of move on from that because that's not worth that's not worth it for me for someone to to want to change me or to 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 have it be um, oh why can't you just be no no I'm me being not neurodiverse is part of that do I have struggles with it yes is it challenging yes but it is part of me and if you don't like that part then then you don't like me um, and so it is interwoven and I don't want to change it it, it actually is, is is what makes me myself. So this is a great, this next question is a great question. What advice would I give anyone um, with interacting with an individual that identifies as neurodivergent in any way, whatever that is? I would say accept them, right? Accept that they're, they're challenged in some way, that their learning is not the way that you've probably been taught to teach or to interact. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If you need more explanation or you need to stand to learn or you need to be able to fidget and walk and and pace around or you just need to be uh, mentally stimulated by this. You need a more difficult challenge. You you understand the material and you're bored by it. Give me something extra. Give me something more that that piques my brain, that that tingles the part of the brain that I'm not getting. Um, and so I think a lot of people are, are labeled as certain ways because they don't fit into this uh, box. And I would say destroy the box. We don't need to be in the box. There's no reason that learning needs to be in a box. And in fact, learning should be so uh, not contained. The, the part of learning is, is being able to, one, make mistakes, being flexible, right? If you have a learning environment that's not flexible, you have a failing learning environment. Just hands down. Um, if, if you can't adjust to the way other people learn and you only have one prescribed way of teaching and you only have that one way of submitting things, then your students are going to be severely um, lacking in getting the education that they need. Being flexible, being able to adjust, being able to adapt to other people's learning is what learning should be. And we do that as kids, right? It, it, when we're trying to put... You know, we have those, um, you know, let's say you t- take those shapes and right, you're trying to put like a, you know, the circle peg in the circle hole. But as kids, we don't, you know, when we're younger, we don't understand that. Um, and so it would, education is like, oh, well, you get one shot to put that uh, a circle peg in that, in the circle hole and you, you fail. Well, well, I guess you're stupid then. But instead, let's have them make mistakes. Let's show them let them figure it out, show them some of the solutions and let them learn from that. That's what education should be. That's what neurodivergent is. Um, And that's the way we should interact is don't punish me for being learning differently. Embrace how I learn different and figure out ways to engage me to better understand the material and be participatory in there. I think you have to be open, honest and flexible. That is the way that I would say um, interacting with people who who have whatever neurodivergent um, you have. I have tons of students that learn differently, but I give all sorts of different outs for them um, as far as what it is. I pre-record lectures so people who are, have social anxiety or who learn slower, maybe um, they can they can look at that ahead of time and then be prepped for the the actual lecture that's there. Um, I repeat things multiple times. I record. Uh, lectures uh, while I'm giving them, if I'm doing it remote. Um, I'll answer any of their questions, spend time with them. So it's like, 
you have to be flexible. It's, it's, it's the way that it has to work and meeting people where they are instead of punishing them for, from where they're not. So a couple experiences that I've had as being neurodiverse um, is that there are some things that, that you just, in, until you know what it is or until you spent some time with someone who is neurodiverse, it's like, oh, you don't get it until, you know, something happens to you. Uh, you know, so for example, um, we'll be at a restaurant with my wife and, and, you know, we're done with the meal or whatever. And we get in the car and I was like, could you believe Amanda said this? And they're like, who's, Am-? and she said, who's Amanda? I was like, oh, the person sitting next to me at the table. Um, you didn't hear their whole conversation. And it's just, no. And because I, 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 I just, I picked that up. Right. Um, and so, uh, now that we have a name for this, right? It's being not diagnosed. You can say, oh, you're listening to the other person's conversation now, aren't you? And I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. I got, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to pay, pay more attention. But again, it's like those inputs are just like streaming at me. Um, I also think people misunderstand my enthusiasm. Um, I don't know, for, for uh, being mad or other things. I just get so enthusiastic about it. And I, I've always been told as a, someone, be quiet, <laughs> you know, settle down. And it's like, oh, just, no, just let me be excited about this, this thing. Um, and so things like that, that are just misunderstood as, as, uh, you know, you trying to be challenging. Um, you know, I have a lot of situations where, you know, be, again, I think it's part of the neurodiversity. Um, I'm quick to respond to situations, quick to respond to a joke, quick to, um, you know, if, if someone pokes fun at me, I'm really quick to poke fun back at them. Um, and people don't like that, right? I was bullied as, as a kid, like most, uh, like a lot of kids are, but I use my words to get out of it. Um, and the bullies didn't like that because I was smarter um, and more quick-witted. Um, you know, they would say something, I can remember, clearly remember someone, I was, we were playing volleyball in gym and I missed something and, and, and someone who was, you know, picked on me a lot said, what kind of stupid are you? Right. And I looked back at them and I said, I don't know how many kinds are there. Can you name the kind of stupid that you think I am? And they didn't know what to do with that. And so they just like let it go because they're like, I, I, I don't have the words to do this. OK, something that happened recently as an adult is, um, you know, I, I think therapy has helped. Right. To be able to relate. And I was talking about this experience that I had with a kind of an all guys weekend and um that i was perfectly myself and everyone accepted me for it and how how amazing that was um that just someone could accept you for it i'm even kind of being choked up just thinking about it because not everyone accepts you for who you are and to be accepted <sighs> i think that's just what we're all trying to be is be accepted uh, be accepted for your sense of humor, being accepted for um, you being a little whatever sometimes or whatever it is, just being accepted and being who you are is so powerful. And to have that, I realize that I don't want to have people around me that don't accept me for who I am. Right. I don't want to have to hide being diverse um, in any way. Um, and I don't think anyone should have to. And so finding those people, finding that understanding was so powerful to me. And it's something that has changed my life. I realized that I don't need to be around people because um, 
to, to have friends or have neighbors or whatever um, accept you. I can be who I am and it's okay. And the people who don't accept you, it's on them and not on you. And that was, that took me, you know, as, as someone who is almost 45, wait, I'm 45, almost 46, that, that I don't need those people, right? Those people are just clouding um, who I really am. And so um, I think there's a challenge to that. Um, and I would just tell anyone who is neurodivergent in any way, be who you are and anybody else who doesn't accept it, you don't need them. Now that's hard. You know, I say that easily. That's hard when it's someone like a parent or someone close to you. Find your people. They're out there. They're out there. Thank you for listening to Neurodiversity Unbound.